head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 293 of the Severe MMA podcast. And this episode of the podcast is presented by Manscaped. As we all know, 2020 sucked, but New Year's, new balls with Manscaped. Manscaped is the best. Uh, Men's blow the waist grooming, offering you precision engineering tools for your family jewels, helping 200 men all over the world get rid of their ball hairs. Uh, if you let yourself go in 2020 while in quarantine, Manscaped is here for you to reboot and stay clean and shaved in 2021. As myself and Graham know, I think it was 25 weeks in a row there was UFC cards on there. So we haven't been able to go out. We haven't been able to take the women for dinner. We haven't been able to do nothing for the last fucking six months. So now is the time. Uh, and, and, and we'll have to be, uh, we have to be trimmed below the waist before we do that. So we'll be using our Manscaped and you should too. Manscaped is here to give you the fresh start to 2021 with our perfect package 3.0 that is all the right tools for the job. Uh, when you come out of quarantine with those clean balls, thanks to the Lawnmower 3.0, which I have here, where is here we go. Look at it there. A lovely light. If you saw me on Submission Radio the other day, I had it on as well. And uh, the trimmer will reduce nicks for your two best friends. The third generation trimmer even has a light, as I mentioned, uh, giving you the glow up you need for 2021. It's also time to freshen up down there with the crop preserver, the anti chafing ball deodorant, the moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why not put deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Well, you know. And go for the freshness with Speak the crop for yourself, preserver. Sean. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm reading the this is, this is not my <laughs> uh, 2020 was awful so make sure your boys are refreshed and ready for new beginnings in 2021 uh, Manscaped even threw in their shed travel bag to keep all your goodies stored comfortably which is really good uh, which if we'll ever be able to fucking leave the house again I will be using um, a Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs are also included and are hands down the best underwear you'll ever wear a guy with hairy balls is like the year 2020 don't be that guy so get 20% off and free shipping with the code severemanscaped.com your balls will thank you that's 20% off and free shipping with the code severemanscaped happy new year to your balls this episode is also brought to you by joe and seps popcorn if you haven't tried them yet please do this is your last chance get 10% off using the promo code sean10 go to www.joeandseps.co.uk so it's j-o-e-a-n-d-s-e-p-h-s or go to severemay.com forward slash popcorn it'll take you directly there and you can get 10% off with the promo code sean10 they have popcorn advent calendars obviously a bit late now but sure you might like <laughs> like them anyway uh, they have beer and whiskey flavors for the lads salted caramel and lots of sweet ones for the girlfriend uh they're a great stocking filler and a great snack for the new year as well i actually got some the other day graham they're unreal the raspberry ones just unbelievable the uh white chocolate ones there's a cheese and onion flavor as well if, if that's your uh, thing they're they're actually unbelievably nice um so get 10 percent off with the promo code sean 10 joanseps.co.uk right graham 
let's get into it here. And look, there wasn't much news over the last while, but we'll talk about the fight card last night because, you know, I, I was thinking there about this card overall, and you said, you know, it wasn't a bad card. And before... I uh, remember they used to do uh, um, UFC cards and they would like name them like UFC Redemption and all this. I think this should be called UFC Levels because I think it was just there was different levels to the game shown, especially in the top two. Uh, the well, top if you should have that before the fight, then people are going to be like, oh, mismatches. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no need to watch this. That, that's true. That's actually true. Yeah, they're, they're better to uh, use those nicknames afterwards. But I think like Pettis kind of showed his levels. Although Moreno, I thought, fought well. Aldo shot his level, especially over Vera, and Wonderboy shot his level over Neil. Uh, okay, Marlon, Marlon Moraes got uh, got beaten by Rob Font, which we'll, obviously we get to all of them, but it was one of those fights, wasn't it, where oh, the, la- the talk over the last few weeks has been about people getting cut, you know, and the gatekeepers being taken away from MMA, and the lads that maybe were former champions or former contenders, like an Aldo or a Jacare or a Pettis or a JDS, are like, their time is up. Now it's time for him to go to PFL or Bellator or Japan or wherever they might be going to. But this kind of showed, you know, Wonderboy wasn't there to, to be a gatekeeper. Jose Aldo wasn't there to be a gatekeeper. And it was a, it was a good night for the for the old brigade, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it's a little bit disrespectful to, to Wonderboy the way people have been going on. Um, I think all throughout his career, he's been criminally underrated. Um, you know, Jeff Neal is obviously like, you know, he's a good fighter and all that. But if you look at what Wonderboy's level of competition and what he's done, you know, he, he, in a lot of people's minds, he was he he won that welterweight belt. Um, he should have won that welterweight belt against Tyron Woodley. Um, things could have been very different. I think um, maybe he would have, if he had captured the belt, maybe he would have got the respect that he des- deserves. But I think for some reason, people just I don't know, they just underrate uh, Wonderboy uh, a lot. It's even the, like the bookies there, that that fight was a pick'em fight. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Neal went into the fight as favorite, which is. Crazy, like absolutely crazy. Uh, the thing about Wonderboy is, right? I suppose we'll, we'll just get straight to the main event. There was there was a, a good period of time, uh, say after GSP retired, and then you know Robbie Lawler and uh, and Johnny Hendricks had the belt for a while, and then Woodley got it. There was a period around there where you know Woodley had be, been beaten by Rory McDonald as well, and Rory McDonald went to Bellator after getting destroyed by Wonderboy, and then Wonderboy had those two very close fights with uh, Woodley, the second. Uh, of which I think a lot of people thought he'd won. I haven't gone back and watched it in a while, so I'm not going to say it was a robbery or anything like that. I don't think it was, but it was a close fight. But there was an argument, without a shadow of a doubt, I think, that Wonderboy was the best welterweight in the world for a few years. You know, and welterweight being one of the best divisions in the world, yet people still underrate him. You know, there's this thing, I know these kickboxing fanatics are like, oh, like he's kind of a fake kickboxing record and he's not, you know, up there with the kickboxing greats. He was 57 and all, fighting nobodies and stuff. That doesn't matter really. It's what he's done in MMA. That's the story of kickboxing, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it, it, it really is. But like, it's what he's done in MMA and what he has done in MMA is use the style, apart from, apart from maybe Habib, he has used his style of like one, one dimensional is the wrong word, but his dimension of fighting better than almost anyone that we've seen in a long, long time. You know, it's, he has adjusted his game and his qualities for MMA better than almost anyone ever. You know, it's it's absolutely unbelievable what he's done. Like his ability to hit and not get hit. Like for the first three rounds last night, the only shot he had taken was a fucking headbutt. <laughs> you know, without that headbutt and the, the mark on his face, he would have had nothing. And this is against Jeff Neal, who I actually thought Jeff Neal, especially in 
was it the third round? I think it was the third round where he fought well. You know, he was... He, when you're fighting Wonderboy, I spoke about it before, and you have to bide your time, and you have to try to hit him with those big shots when you get the opportunity to hit the big shots. And I thought Jeff Neal was doing that in, in, in all the rounds, to be honest, but Wonderboy was just too good. He was just... I, I, and actually, it was funny, you know, a lot of people might say the smaller cage might go against Wonderboy because he doesn't have as much room to kind of move around. I actually think it makes him more on, you know, and it makes him more exciting as well. And there's nothing like Wonderboy in his pomp. I don't think there... I, I, okay, I'm biased because I'm a big Wonderboy fan, and I will admit that. I'm He's the only guy, really, I'm a, a fan fan of. But, like, his style is just so silky and smooth and... You could some sometimes with fighters and I'm watching the Canelo fight last night. So it's it's hard to see the shots they're landing. It's kind of you know their their work is kind of so quick and kind of on the inside and there's like little intricacies that make it a little bit better. And okay for people maybe watching it for like 15, 20 years, it's hard, it's maybe harder to to acknowledge it or to or easier to acknowledge and see it. But like anyone can see what Wonderboy does. You know he glides out of the way. You throw, he'll move out the way of it, and then he'll counter you. He'll throw beautiful jabs up through the middle and a right hand after it. He kick to the body, make you drop your hands, go high. Throws big wheel kicks, throws front kicks to the body. Like I, I Wonderboy is one of those fighters where at the time when he was coming up and when he was near the top, and you know he never became a star star, and I, I always baffled me as to why. You know, he's this good-looking, all-American boy, nice guy, with a brilliant style, fan-friendly. I don't do, understand it. Do you think part of it is the nice guy thing? And another thing I noticed, like I noticed before, I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast, they, they, they marketed it as Thompson versus Neil. Why, why aren't they marketing it as Wonderboy versus yeah. Neil? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, Thompson could be anybody, you know. Wonderboy... Like people know who Wonderboy is. Like people yeah. have seen him again. People like as you mentioned, Roy McDonald. You know, uh, pe- people like he's he's a big name as Wonderboy. Thompson is just like Thompson versus Neil. That could that could somebody could have a glance at that on their on their TV listings and think, oh, I haven't heard of these guys. Yeah, it's very like they used to do with uh, the Korean Zombie, didn't they? You know, do you call him the Korean Zombie? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, everybody talk like if I'm like talking about somebody to somebody about Wonder Boy, I'm not calling him Thompson. I'm calling him Wonder Boy, and so is everybody. So uh, I think that's a mistake. That's yeah. um, you know, uh, just an easy thing that you could, you know, if you thought about it, you think, oh, we'll call this Wonder Wonder Boy. You know, they they have nicknames for like whatever Brazilian fighters, who, you know, and they. They go with them, so it's not a thing that they always go with the surname. So I don't understand why with Wonderboy they don't. Yeah, it's it's a weird one because like I don't know, maybe they were expecting him to get over the hump against Woodley, and I know you know the UFC have had their problems with Woodley and don't really like him and things as as, as champion. And maybe Wonderboy not being able to get over that against Woodley played you know played against him. But I think even before that he he wasn't, and I know he's like he's gotten some big spots and he got a main event here as well, but. I don't know, it's it's one of those odd ones where like you see someone like Masvidal coming through and he kind of becomes a star without winning the winning the belt or anything like that. Like Wonderboy destroyed him two years ago. And he's a much better fighter than him. It's and it's funny, like, you know, I um what I said there about him being kind of this all American, nice guy, good looking guy, and uh like how do you promote that, right? How do how do you promote that? How do you make a guy like that into a kind of a star or the next bring him to the next level even if you say he's not a champion or whatever that's a question the ufc should have an easy answer to you know that's that's a question that the ufc should 
be answering for all those people coming up like that. Now, I'm not saying fucking Alex Morona should be getting a big push or, or you know, Gillian Robertson or whoever it might be coming coming through. But, like, when you see someone special like Wonderboy, you could see it coming through. Like, after the Matt Brown fight, the change that he made to his game to be exciting and, you know, fan-friendly and everything like that, it was, it was clear for anyone to see. Yet they never did anything with him. Yet then, like then, this was a guy. This is a guy who spins his weekdays, children uh, teaching children how to do karate, how to stay fit, how to you know, you know how to uh, how to defend themselves and everything like that. Yeah. And he goes out and beats the shit out of people. Like how can you not promote that? I I I I've never got how like it just shows how useless but, the UFC are that they can't make this guy one yeah. of the biggest stars in the sport. It's true, but I think it's also, um, you know, the fans haven't caught on to him the way you think they would with the style and, the, you know, the, the the knockouts who, like, obviously, you know, when he came into the UFC against Dan Sitchin, he had a he had an, one of the, you know, in a unique, brilliant highlight reel knockout. And uh, it got MMA fans excited and you see, you know, if this guy can, you know, if this guy can, with this style, can go all the way to the top or close to the top, he's going to be a star. But maybe it's the too nice thing. Maybe, you know, people, t- like... They, f- they fake outrage or they, they love the outrage of, oh, this guy did something wrong or said this bad thing, but they love it really. You know, when you're a nice guy like Thompson, not saying anything, being all nice, people just don't care, it seems. Yeah. yeah I, people I prefer the controversy, the, the loud mountainous, oh, don't say that about his camp, don't say that about his, you know, family or whatever. But then when you say nothing and you be all nice, nobody cares. So, I don't know. I, like, I think, <laughs> you know, I think there's a way to, I think there's a way to, bring that in your favor like gsp was all nice as well okay he did a few things i i know like you know i'm not impressed by your performance and things like that but but know. he wasn't as big a star as he should have been as well you know what i mean i suppose he, yeah. like obviously in canada and stuff he was a huge star but if you look at his pay-per-view numbers really you know for how big a star he the he claimed he was and mm-hmm. people kind of accepted him as being he wasn't doing the numbers because maybe if he was going out there saying I'm going to fucking rip off BJ Penn's throat and piss down his neck. People probably would have bought the pay-per-view more. You know what I mean? That's the way people work. The fans work. It gets them interested. Yeah, it's true. But I think the the interesting thing over the last few years, especially, is like, if you think of the stars that have kind of emerged, you know, McGregor, Masvidal, John Jones, uh, like, who else would there be? Ronda Rousey. They've always kind of done it for themselves, you know? It's never been... And I think Rousey might be the, the, the best example of the UFC actually bringing someone through because, you know, I, I think they... She did a lot of it for herself, don't get me wrong, but I feel like they made a big thing of the women's division coming in and pushed it, you know, over the, that Dan Henderson fight at the time. So I think they did a relatively good job with her. But, like, McGregor... He made. He was self-made. You know, they, they fucking have tried to hold him back at, at every uh, at every opportunity. John Jones, just because he's so good, and he could have been yeah. a bigger star as well. You've got to make it happen. You've got to make it happen to yourself. Yeah. Once you do make it happen, once you do make it happen, the UFC will likely put a bit of push behind you. Yeah. But if you, they're not just going to push out of nowhere. You've got to, you've got to start the the, the whole thing yourself. And you know, Masvidal, like he, they, they were giving him loads of screen time, cutting to him cage side, talking talking him up. Because he started, you know, making a few waves, getting people interested. It's not just going to come out of nowhere. You've got to make the first step. Do you see have like, you know, so many, so many events, so many fighters, all this stuff going on. And you're just another guy unless you make yourself not another guy. Yeah. But that that's wrong, though. Like that, that is wrong. I don't know. There's uh, there's an argument as well. Um, maybe it's maybe it's a topic we could we could talk about a small bit. But like, oh, oh, oh OK, 
it, the UFC should be making stars. They should be picking... And, and Okay, they've tried to do it with Sage Narcot and, and uh, Paige Van Zandt, and it hasn't worked, in fairness. But I like that. You know, I know people criticise them for it Yeah, people time. didn't like it, though. People, yeah. people, oh, why don't they push these guys? And then when they push some guy who hasn't really deserved it, then they're like, oh, I hate this guy, or, but they, you know, they I turn know. on him. They did it too overtly, maybe, I think, with them. It just, it just seemed a bit weird. Like, you need to do it... like. You need to pick it out, pick out someone when they're on their way there, or almost there. I think you know it, it, it's like let's say someone like I don't know. Okay, well, maybe Hamzat is a bad a bad one, but like if you're looking through the rankings and you see a guy who's coming up, Kevin Holland, good example, right? Kevin Holland's a guy who talks a lot of shit. He's kind of an odd guy. Just knocked out Jack Ray. He knocked out Jackie and Buckley. Like this is a perfect guy you put money into, and you you put. Um, well, maybe it's different because there's no fans in the in the in in attendance and stuff now. But this is the guy you push, like you 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 know you put him on on TV screens, you put him around the place, you you know you push him on your social medias and stuff. It, it's it's and it's a thing that they just don't do uh, well at all. And they they'll do it if you you know if you're a Buckley and you hand them something, as you said, like McGregor, you hand them something, Masvidal, you hand them something, but they're the ones that should be handing it to you at times as well. And the other argument I was thinking, a lot of people were were saying is today uh or, or over the last week and stuff about the the fighter pay and you know this this whole and i'm not getting into jay paul here now but all the all the fighters like calling out jay paul and i was like they looked so desperate calling him out and they did and everyone replying to me is like well if they got paid properly they wouldn't be calling him out i'm like even if you're not getting paid properly the desperation that people are showing to fight Jake Paul when there's absolutely no fucking chance in hell that he's going to fight someone who has 7,000 followers on fucking Instagram and is like 13 and 1 in MMA and would fucking destroy him. Like, why is would he fight them? Like, it's absolutely idiotic and has nothing got to do with fighter pay. Fighter pay, we've talked about it a hundred times, a very different thing. But you have to... In MMA, it's just a reality of it now because the, the, like, the, the fighters have... Two Two options right to, to get paid a lot of money they either all band together and start the union and everyone for the next fight card shows up and everyone refuses to fight until the ufc uh agrees to sit down and get into union talks with them everyone has to band together to do it right or you become mcgregor you become mass for that you become one of these there, those are your two options, right? You you do not have the option of fighting Conor McGregor in your next fight, or Floyd Mayweather, or Jake Paul, or Logan Paul, or Mike Tyson, whoever it might be. That is not an option to you. If you're Sadiq Yusuf, if you're Mike Perry, if you're and I'm not saying these are all good fighters. I'm not saying anything against them, but the the kind of the the, the way these fighters convince themselves that they're going to get this and it's a reality and like people buy into it. it's like oh this is going to change their lives this is going to be the money they need to like uh, feed the family for the rest of their lives it's just not i wish the ufc paid them right i wish they fought the ufc so the ufc paid them right but this is not the way to fucking get it like if you want more money and you want a better job you don't go out and buy a fucking lottery tickets okay maybe you'll win one you know in the next fucking 50 years but you're not it's not gonna happen it's just not gonna happen and i don't know maybe that's i got off topic totally there and that's a totally different argument but when you see these people calling out jake paul are you just like ah oh, sure look they're shooting their shot are you like you're embarrassing yourself here like i am it, yeah, well, some of them is completely unrealistic. But like, I saw Bisbing. I think I think apparently Jake Paul said something about Bisbing, so I can understand that. 
you know. Um, Look, if it's uh, if it's handed, know, if it's handed to you, about. if it's handed to you like Bisping or if it's handed to you like McGregor, absolutely take it. You know, if it's, if you're a fucking Sadiq Yusuf and Jake Paul calls mm-hmm. you out, I can absolutely understand these guys it. wanting to like. Mm-hmm. Put a beating on this guy, like be the one. But like, yeah, you have to, you have to, you have to have already already positioned yourself. Uh, like, what what benefit does Jake Paul obviously wants to fight Connor because Connor is the biggest star in the in the sport, or he wants to fight one of these big stars in the sport or box or whatever he wants to do. But like, you got to think about it. Like, what, like Jake Paul's not looking to start an MMA career or start a boxing career. He's looking to to make as much money as he can. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And why would he like you know you you got to think about it logically and yeah call him out on Twitter or whatever like do what you want to do or whatever but yeah it's not going to happen it's just yeah. wasting time maybe maybe you know maybe um you know most of these guys are putting it out thinking you know there's no chance this happening but it's going to put it out anyway because this guy annoys me or because it'll get me some publicity or something but mm. realistically it's just yeah, it's yeah. An, like it's we, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago like. It's hard for Ian Gary to get a fight coming up in the local Irish, you know. Like, what's the reason for that? Because, like, they're afraid that, you know, people, if you're a manager, why would you put your client in against someone like Ian Gary? Because he's probably going to beat you and take away, like, your ability to make money in the future or get to the UFC or whatever it might be. And that's on, like, a local Irish level with all these guys still on the way up. We're talking about, like, a master of fucking marketing and making money here. He mightn't be a master of boxing or fucking MMA or anything like that. But, like, it's it's the same sort of thing. Why would you take away that future money that you could make when, you know, you're, it's literally stepping over pounds to pick up pennies? Like, it, may, it would make absolutely no sense. And these, these fighters, they put two seconds of thought into it to be like, I, do, right, what's happening here is I am begging Jake Paul to fight me and it's not going to happen. So how does that make you look? Like all the only outcome of this is you begging someone, a YouTuber who you know you destroyed to fight you. That's sad. Like that is fucking sad, and it's everything. It flies in the face of everything which MMA is. You know, it's finding out who's the best, the best versus the best to find out who the best is, and that's it's just flying in the face. But anyway, we got completely off topic. Let's let's roll back to this card, anyways. But uh, I I'm trying not to. This wasn't a Jake Paul discussion. This was an MMA fighter discussion. So if anyone gives out about we were talking about Jake Paul. We weren't. Fuck Jake Paul. I don't want anyone in MMA to fight him. He's a fucking dickhead and his brother's worse. So there you go. Um, Jose Aldo versus Marlon Vera. Um, it was a... It was a... It was a uh, look, it was it was the fight I was expecting, to be honest. Aldo came out throwing his leg kicks, which I predicted, which he hasn't done much of recently. He was attacking the body. Vera just couldn't land anything. I remember... Um, I think it was Ryan O'Connor put up a video after the Frankie Edgar fight after McGregor had beaten Aldo that Aldo just like refused to get hit in that fight and it was kind of the same here uh, Vera landed a head kick late on but I don't think it uh, it landed fully it kind of partially landed uh, Aldo was touching him up again in the second body and legs again Vera did well for the last two minutes but there was a lot of pushing him against the Kings, uh, defense I think all three judges gave him the round two I don't know. I think Aldo did enough in the first three minutes, and Vera didn't really do much in the second. But it was it was even yeah, enough. Yeah, I thought Aldo won all three. I think, yeah. yeah, I think it's another one of those where it's like the big name legend, um, you know, who's ahead as well. And then when it's a close round, I think you know sometimes the fans and the judges maybe get kind of you know influenced a little bit by those factors. I don't know. I, I don't know. I wouldn't like to say that about judges. The fans like if Aldo, if. You know, if Aldo had had that round that uh, Vera had, there's no way they would be scoring that for him. I don't think, yeah. Well, if he had to just push Vera up against the cage a little bit after getting beaten up on the feet, like, come yeah. on. 
Yeah, I, I, I definitely thought Aldo won it. Very landed almost. Nothing in that clinch, so, yeah. Um, close enough round, I haven't said that. Around three in, basically the whole round, Aldo with that... Um, with that body triangle locked in for the whole whole fucking what, probably four and a half minutes of that round or whatever it was, that was tight as well. You know, it reminded me of that one, the, the Anthony Pettis Dustin Poirier, you know, where uh, Pettis had to had to tap from it. It was so fucking tight. You could, if anyone, if you're watching back the fight, or maybe if you're listening to the podcast first and I'm going back watching the fight, just look at Vera's body in that and the way he's dying from. It's like <gasps> he's like it's sucking every bit of fucking air from him. And sometimes we can. I think it was Luke Thomas who is like Aldo's really well rounded. Remember before the the McGregor fight, everyone was talking about will he go for takedowns and will he use his jujitsu and his wrestling, like. And sometimes we forget as well, which we showed a bit, he showed a bit last night. He's some of the best takedown defense, in my opinion, the best takedown defense in UFC history. And that was always the reason I wanted to see Aldo versus Habib. And unfortunately, he went down a weight rather than up a weight. But, um, you know, Jose Aldo, like, as I said, UFC levels, this was. Wonderboy was just a different level to Jeff Neal. He couldn't hit him when he hit him. And Aldo was the same last night. Now, I think the difference between. Wonderboy and Jeff Neal is not as big as the difference between Aldo and Marlon Vera. You know, Vera's in that fight because he uh, he beat Sean O'Malley in, a, in an odd kind of way. Although I think, you know, it was legitimate. The injury that O'Malley had was caused by Vera. But however... Like this is a gr- this is the sort of fight you need if you're a Jose Aldo, you know. Or if they, and they've, I, it's funny they've done a good job because Frank Edgar in that Munoz fight as well. It was a good way to get Frank Edgar a win in, in that, and it looks like he's fighting. I think it's Sandhagen now, uh, coming up soon, so that may be a little bit tougher. But what did you? I know you're a big fan of Jose Aldo. What did you think of his uh, his performance here last night against your boy Cheeto? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was it was very it was very good. It was he showed how well rounded he is. You know, uh, he he was just another class. Like um, just as you said at the start, like levels. There's levels of this, and you know, Aldo's obviously you know kind of on the the downturn of his career, but just the ability all around was just way too much for Vera. Vera hung tough and all that, but you know, um, Aldo just you know, uh, if if that's if that second round had have gone to to Vera. And Aldo, you know, thought he needed to, to step it up, if it, or if it was five rounds, I think he could have stepped it up as well. I think, I think he kind of cruised through it. To be honest, uh, he knew he was winning the whole time, and uh, you know, he, Vera tried to start off with a few leg kicks at the start of the fight, and Aldo just immediately checked him and shut that down, started landing his own leg kicks. Um, yeah, he's just he's just on another level completely uh, everywhere, basically to to Vera. I thought it was very funny. Even, even at this stage of his career. Yeah, 100%. See, as you said, Vera was throwing leg kicks. And there was a stat came up that Vera had thrown or landed 32 leg kicks. Now, I don't know. First of all, I don't know how accurate that stat is. And anyway, all of those leg kicks almost, Aldo was checking them. Like, those leg kicks that he was throwing were an advantage to Aldo. Like, this, yeah. You know, these yeah. significant strike stats. That's the problem just... with all these stats that come up. Like, you know, yeah, significant strikes. It doesn't even mean impactful stri- stri- uh, strikes like people mm-hmm. think it does. It just means at a distance or like it doesn't need it just means any strike basically yeah. any strike that connected in any way or even hit the gloves or you know a checked leg kick it's just like come on yeah like, and and, and uh, we'll probably get into it later about the commentators but fucking hell go on let's get into it now there go on there, you start because <laughs> just awful like uh you know um the prayer i suppose we should finish talking about the aldo fight but the prayer fight the commentary was just diabolical yeah yeah diabolical. Like, i i honestly i honestly think like daniel carmier 
he someone sent to me last night right he, you want him to be fun during the Pereira fight but you want him to be serious during the title fight and I'm like yes <laughs> that's exactly what I want you're you're not supposed to be really serious during fucking Mikel Pereira versus Chaos Williams you're not like and you're and you shouldn't be laughing and joking as what what fight was it last night um Gillian Robertson versus Tyler Santos I think where there was like a flying armbar at the very start and they were laughing and joking and almost missed the armbar like it's I, I can't... I can't. What, what was your issue with the, the Pereira-Williams fight with the commentary? Well, it was just... Uh, they basically weren't watching the fight or, or half scoring it and then decided... Kind of influenced everybody, I thought. And we're, we're only calling... You know, they, they were making it out like Williams was, was doing a lot more than he was and ignoring the kind of straight punches or the, the effectiveness of the jab and et cetera of, of Pereira. But also at one stage, and I can't remember, I think it was the main event, they were, to start of the round, they were talking about, Daniel Cormier was asking about the rules or of Vaseline and in yeah. boxing and all this. It's just like, shut up, it's Jesus Christ. Just completely forgetting that grappling exists in MMA. <laughs> you know? It's like, oh, why can't they cover their face in Vaseline? Well, gee, I don't know. Maybe because they'll have to do a rear naked joke later on. Or maybe because they'll get fucking Vaseline. remember the last time somebody them? covered themselves in Vaseline, GSP, <laughs> yeah, people yeah. were complaining. It was like, it was like a kangaroo record about it and everything like like bisping bisping is brilliant i love bisping and he tried as much as he could to like take away the bullshit influence of daniel carmier but you you can't help get caught up in it daniel carmier is just so fucking bad like he's it's like a tsunami of of shit yeah it's (laughs) It's hard to get out of the way of all of it honestly i've never seen anyone be as wrong as daniel carmier just over and everything that every word that comes out of his mouth is just wrong like i oh he's i honestly if you're in a ufc production team and you listen to him. Like, how can you let him on the broadcast in future? He's just so unbelievably... And it's it's not just me now either, because I thought the start it was just me. But everyone dislikes him now. And it's like, I see everyone on my timeline, everyone replying to me just detests Daniel Cormier. At the start, there was a bring, lot of people... Bring back Kenny Florian. Bring back, he's, you know, he's fucking... Honestly, he's all... I think last night he overtook Kenny Florian. He was just so bad. Like, oh, it was, it was unbelievable. But... Uh, they're very strong words there, Sean. Yeah. Oh my God. I. I... And this one as well. But the, the, the significant strike stats in the Pereira Williams fight. I was. Lo- I actually looked it up again, and the, the thing is, it's uh, distance jabs get counted as significant strikes as well. So in this Pereira fight and Williams, they had Williams with more significant strikes than him. So I have no idea what the fuck they were counting because Pereira was like, if you were to. In this fight, if you're and especially in the first round, I think it was, if you're to just look at Pereira's jabs, he won that round based on those jabs alone. Everything that Williams threw, I think Pereira's jabs outweighed him because they were heavy, big jabs knocking him backwards, just beautiful shots throughout the whole round. And like it was the the commentary just completely ignored them because the stats went up on screen. Yeah, and no sold them, no sold them completely. But even <laughs> yeah. before the stats came up on the screen, it was like they were only commentating on Chaos Williams' uh, output. It was it, like they were just talking about, oh, he's moving a lot per era, and this is unorthodox. And then they they wouldn't mention every time he landed a strike, it would just be no sold. It was it was strange. Yeah, it was weird. And Carmi has had this hate for Pereira since the second he started f- him fighting because he he like uh, he doesn't fight like Daniel Carmia. Everyone that doesn't fight like Daniel Carmia, Daniel Carmia just dislikes. And everyone that tries to have an exciting style, Daniel Carmia just dislikes and just doesn't want to see him fighting. It's like, oh, it's I don't know. I'll get off Carmia because I could do a whole podcast on him 
being so fucking terrible. But anyway, um, so in the first round, as, as I mentioned, Prayer was just landing much better. Um, Chaos was countering the front kick pretty well, but missed most of them, I thought. Landed one big one up through the middle, and, and Pereira took it very well. But, like, those jabs were immediately impactful shots that he was landing. I don't give a shit what anyone says about, like, uh, jabbing and things like that. Those, those were impactful shots. They were impacting Chaos throughout uh, all of it. I thought in the second round apart from the late choke for Pereira I didn't think he landed as many impactful shots or didn't have as much uh, immediately impactful grappling um, Williams landed three nice kind of spurts of shots throughout the second round I think it was just about enough but it was very close again and in the third Pereira just a better strikes got two takedowns landed a few shots on top and didn't let I think the takedowns more than anything else rather than scoring just kind of stopped chaos in his tracks for a while and uh, forced him to not like get the, a few of the punch strikes <laughs> stats back I, I, let's say um, the, the front kicks were landing better in the third round there was no right hand coming from uh coming back from uh, from Williams in that one so you know 29 28 Pereira all three cards really good judge in there I think as well but uh, yeah no it was in fairness yeah. to the judges like I thought that one w- might be one day we're gonna fuck up um I, I was kind of I was kind of watching I was like watching the sorry watching the the tweets afterwards and a lot of people had it for uh for uh, Chaos Williams as well, yeah. so I was like, Jesus, maybe, maybe the commentators were right here and I'm wrong. But then I'm just thinking, nah, here. Uh, when it was a unanimous decision, then uh, you know, I think, I think that even you, you know, kind of confirm, not confirms, but shows a little bit that the the commentators were just were just Absolutely. not calling yeah. the fight well. Bull, bullshit artists. But per- Pereira, like I talked about it in the, after his last win and how great his is you know unorthodox flashy style is, but maybe that if he wants to to win some you know close fights against similar level of competition, he might have to kind of mm-hmm. tone it down a bit. And I think he did. It's definitely less exciting and you know all that, but for the fans, it's 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 not a good thing. But for the longevity of, of his career, or, you know. This fight, for example, you know, maybe maybe he would have come out flashy and he would have he would have won handier or he would have won by knockout. But I think it was a safer option to do what he did. Part of me died last and, night. You know, maybe. Yeah, and part of it. That's what I'm gonna say. Part of it is a shame, but for for him for his career, you know, you can understand why. But for for the fans and for you know you know looking forward to a Pereira fight, I think. I think obviously he's, he did he did do some crazy stuff. You know, once AG was like lying on the floor trying to throw a kick, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know nobody knows what that's called. It's not even a move. Like, not, no. but um, you know he's he's always going to have that in him. But maybe we won't see him as this kind of complete wild man that we saw before. And yeah. you know he's training in the UFC PI now. They, they they mentioned. So yeah, I don't know how many you know, I don't know what kind of capoeira or what that is that he's that he's doing. Um, but he's not going to have many people like that to train with there it's sad it's sad like uh, Mikel Pereira the original Pereira is what we need you know we need fun we need excitement we need madness and it's just like maybe I don't think he can go and be a champion maybe he can maybe he can but like there's he has lost something in him and that's the real Pereira that's what he loves like he needs to incorporate some of that back in or he will not be a special fighter anymore he, uh, like it's 
It's sad. Like we, I know we talked about it before when I, I know Patrick talked about it. Was Lando Venata. He's he's one of these guys that were throwing mad shit, and then when they got that out of his game, he wasn't the same fighter, you know. And I think Pereira maybe is a different level to Lando, but it he needs it. Like Pereira really needs it, and the fans need it. And it's it was just a bit sad watching this. It was a good performance. It was a good fight, but like if you've never seen Pereira fight before, you think oh he's a bit mad, but like. You know, good performance, an odd style, a fun style, and I still liked it. Maybe I grow to to love it even more. I, I he's still Team Sheehan and everything like that, but I don't know. It was just a little bit sad. As as a lover of madness and fun and you know, insane bastards like Miguel yeah, Pereira. For, for a, uh, Pereira versus Chaos fight, you'd expect a bit more. Yeah, you more, would, uh, you would. Madness and chaos. A bit, a bit more chaos. Indeed. <laughs> indeed. Um, so yeah, we had then Rob Font versus Marlon Moraes. So Moraes came straight out, went for a takedown, almost got the guillotine, um, and then it, you know he was on top for a while, and then he got up, and he was immediately in trouble. You know, one jab rocked Moraes from Font, and you could see why he went for the takedown. I think like he looked punch what's the word not punch drunk but punch shy every shot he took looked like it was going to be a knockout yeah it just he couldn't throw his hands and every shot he took it was just rocking him um what did you think of the stoppage i know some people were saying it was an abomination terrible stoppage other people saying it was a grand stoppage what do you think i thought it was okay um yeah um you know, he was definitely in trouble for a while before that, but he, he was moving. And then, you know, you could see it was uh, inevitable. You know, and uh, if you can't take any of the guy's strikes, you know. Yeah, yeah well, look, it was one of those, I think, where... To, and maybe it's, it's, maybe it's one of those where you see the strikes uh, that Marais has taken and you think, oh, fuck, he's going to get knocked out. So that you're kind of wanting the referee to stop it a little before because you, you it know what's coming. It looks inevitable and it, pro- and yeah. it nearly definitely is inevitable, but, you know, he, he was moving just enough, I think, and it was all happening very quickly, but I, I can understand when you when when, it, when the guy can't take basically any of the strikes without being wobbly or, or falling back, like, there'd be no, there'd be, like the ref can't stop it there, but I can understand why the ref let it go a little bit because... You know, he did kind of spring up after the being being knocked down uh, first, and he did move just enough. Uh, obviously, the ref is likely to have been shouting. You know, you got to move, you got to show me something, and he was showing him just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe you know, maybe maybe just because of the way he reacted to the strikes uh, so badly, it looked worse than yeah. than you know than it was. Uh, I think uh, one thing that kind of popped into my mind when after watching that last night was. Was Brad Wharton's words on on Cage Warriors last week? Last week, leave it to the professionals, and you know Mark Goddard. If, if that was anyone other than Mark Goddard, I think I'd probably be roaring about a bad stoppage here because I, I thought he was out a couple of times. But the thing about Mark Goddard is right. I think he's enough saved in the bank to show us that in the past that fights like the look the, the Pindred fight, Pindred a couple of times probably you know, and especially that Mike King fight and other fights as well. He has seen guys like that and he knows when they're still fighting or not out or still might have the ability to come back. Mark Goddard is probably the best when they referee come into in the world. The locker rooms beforehand, they they say things like you know I'm gonna stop the fight if if you're in trouble and I'm talking to you and you're not responding or you're not moving or you're not showing me anything or you're not fighting back. So, like, if you still want to continue in the fight, show me something. That's all. Like, they just want to be shown that that you're still kind of alive and kicking in there and you still want to be in there. And, mm-hmm. and you know, Marais definitely wanted to be in there. It's just he couldn't take the shots. You know, he, he was moving, but he was just – he was just – yeah. yeah, he's just chinny. I, I, <laughs> this is not what a way of putting it now, really. Yeah. I, I think it should have been stopped a little bit earlier, but 
I would, you know, I take Mark Goddard's word for it over mine. To be honest, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna complain about it too much. But whatever we we can say about it, like. Marlon Moraes took a fucking lot of damage there towards the end and he took a lot of damage in his last fight and he looks he looks a bit chinny now and that's a dangerous place to be if you're in that division with some of the strikers you know that he's coming up against and you know it might be a tough uh, tough road for Marlon Moraes to get back to the top and I don't know if it'll be in the UFC or not so yeah. it's, and I'm sure he's well paid as well brilliant. Rob Font as well obviously the, yeah. he's the one who got the win and we must mention him because so. He's coming back off injuries and, mm-hmm. you know, a very un- unexpected tough start to the round. You know, I doubt he was expecting an immediate takedown. And, yeah. you know, he hung tough. He, he fended off the guillotine. And when he got his chance, he fucking, he, he took it, he took it with, uh, with ease. He did. And he definitely did. Like, it's everyone against Marlon Moraes mightn't have the the ability or the confidence to throw shots like he did against him. Like, he heaters right down to the middle after that first jab or two. So, yeah, fair fair play to Rob Font. And, you know, I thought Moraes would win, so I'll, and I think a lot of people probably did. So, fair play to Rob Font, definitely a very good performance. Um, and then to round out the main card, we had Martin Tibura versus Greg Hard- Hardy. And this was one of, you know, we were doing the voting for comeback of the year. Maybe this won't win it, but it, it was, I think it was up there. You know, Greg Hardy looked phenomenal in the first round. Um... I think he. This was the best round of his career. His jabbing looked really good. His attacking, striking looked good. His counter striking. I think especially a few people were saying on Twitter was the one big improvement that he showed, and he looked brilliant. I thought he was going to get Tybura out of there, but in the second round it all turned around. And I know you know they're saying in the commentary. I saw a lot of people maybe just parroting what they were saying in the commentary more than having their own fucking opinion. But oh, they're saying the ground game. This was the big difference. You know, the ground game of Hardy. Tybora was touching him up on the feet before it even got close to the ground. I think it was the variation of Tybora more than anything. He was switching stances. He was switching levels when he was striking. So he was kind of like dipping his head, moving to the body, coming back up, hitting him high. And I don't think Hardy could live with that at all. Plus, Hardy came in at 266 pounds. I think he cut down something like 20 pounds to get to there. Uh, so he's a big boy at that weight class. And cutting down that amount of, uh, of weight to get there... Uh, you know, I'm, not, I'm sure it doesn't help his cardio and how good is his cardio anyway he's coming from a background of you know you you uh, you play your sport for four seconds and then it stops you know he's fighting for fucking 15 I mean, minutes here a bunch of oxygen and then go back in yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah he can, he can have that here so it's a very different uh, cardio mindset and, and cardio ability for MMA than, uh, than American football so you know Tybora showed that and I think he was it was really good okay he varied up he got the takedown he finished him on the ground but I think it was way more the variation on the feet uh than than anything else you know he I, he was basically done by the time the fight got to the ground I think because he was so tired and everything I think uh, Tybora probably would have finished him on the feet if it had stayed there but there was look I'm not saying there wasn't a disparity on the ground there was but I don't think that was the main reason that Tybora won it but what did you think of uh the performance from from both of them and Hardy especially overall yeah, I thought, as you said, I thought Hardy started really well. Showed like he's he's still developing. You know, it, 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 you kind of forget it's it's very early in his career, and this is kind of, you know, he, he, this is a big step up for him mm-hmm. against Tybora, and and he looked like he belonged in the at the start of the fight. But as you said, this the the experience, the the well roundedness, not even just the well roundedness in terms of different martial arts, even in the striking realm, it was just. Once, once Tybora kind of figured out what what uh, Hardy was doing, it was kind of all over from there. Yeah, yeah, he, he really. Yeah. Was it like his ground game definitely, you know, like yeah. definitely needs work, like a lot of work. But mm. uh, you know, if he could, 
you know, a lot of guys, they don't, they're, 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 you doesn't actually need to be top class. If you can just like stuff, stuff the takedowns, mm-hmm. uh, you don't really need to even go there. But it's, it's harder when you're not kind of a, a master of the striking as well. Like you're kind of picking it up as you go, like he is. And, you know, he's fighting regularly. So how much time does he actually have to, to work on his skills when he's, you know, cutting weight to, to get down there and he's fighting regularly. So, you know, maybe for Greg Hardy, some time off uh, in the training room might be the might be the best thing before before his next fight. Yeah, he seems to have fought a lot over the last while, so yeah, maybe maybe that is probably the way to go. Um, on the undercard, then we had Anthony Pettis versus Alex Morono. Um, I th- I thought both of them fought well. You know, Pettis said afterwards he's going back down to lightweight, which I thought which I thought's a good idea. He looks very small in there, especially in the first round when Morono had him on the ground for a while. Um. But Pettis, I think, like this was a ver- this was another one levels. I think Pettis was just a level above Morono. Um, you know, P- Pettis's issue a lot of the time throughout his career has been his ability to move his feet and get away from the cage and circle out. Um, and even though Morono is like a, a go forward type of fighter, he just didn't have like the the speed, athleticism, I think, a footwork to make that a huge problem over the full three rounds for Anthony Pettis. I know he got the the one round and Pettis won the United decision twenty nine twenty eight. Um, but I yeah, I thought Pettis was just a little bit better all all the way around. And um, this was last fight in his UFC contract, so a big win for him. What, what do you think? What do you think of Pettis' performance first of all? And do you think Pettis will? stay at the UFC he seems like he wants to stay in the UFC or, or do you think he might go to uh, head over to Bellator and join his uh, brother Sergio over there I, I, I think he'll stay in the UFC but yeah um, you know he he might get a, a better money offer for, for Bellator but like how many fights is there really there for him you know Mike Chandler's gone now to the UFC mm-hmm. there isn't much there for him like you get you know a year or two fighting and then it's kind of like what do i do now yeah yeah um, i was looking at the the lightweight division there you know you've patricky pitbull there and you have you know a few lads around this side of the world there isn't as you said there isn't much you know chandler and and eddie alvarez and all them boys from the last few years are gone i welterweight maybe you know i know he's fought vincent henderson a couple of times before and i you know vincent can fight at 155 but if him you have mvp you know, you maybe have Lima as a fun fight there. So maybe, and those guys are going to be so much bigger than him. I think it's, it's a tough road yeah, for. Yeah, uh, he's talking about yeah. yeah. yeah sure. I thought it was a good performance from Pettis. You know, uh, obviously the blueprint is there how to beat him, and I think mm. you know, obviously, obviously, um, we we've seen him lose this type to this type of game plan before. But I think you know, it's it, he's just the level of competition isn't what he's used to fighting. You know, he used to being there with, with top level guys, like, uh, maybe not well, 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 like, you know, he knocked out wonder boy, uh, you know, yeah. it's just an amazing win. Uh, he was getting, he was getting slaughtered in that fight as well. And, you know, he's, he's a very dangerous striker, but he's also, um, I think you tweeted it. He's also a very good submission guy. He, yeah. he's very, uh, underappreciated on the ground. He has more submissions than he has, uh, KOs mm-hmm. yeah, the U- in the, the UFC. UFC so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. He's a well-rounded guy. His wrestling definitely isn't isn't you know at at a, at a top level, but he's dangerous everywhere. And you know, he nearly he nearly had another another spectacular highlight reel yeah. knockout at the end of the fight. Morono did very well not to, not to be uh, not to be finished by that. Yeah, he did. And as I as I tweeted as well last night, Pettis is probably two of the best KOs that weren't actually KOs in in the history of MMA with the Vincent Anderson Showtime kick as well, and that one. You know, Alex Morono, some fucking. 
I was going to say chin, but it's not really chin. It's like head on him not to get knocked out by that one. So, yeah, brilliant performance. And Wonderboy last night, you know, he called out um, he called out um, Masvidal. Why didn't he call out um, Showtime? I thought that would have made a lot more sense. You know, Pettis knocked him out. You get a win over Pettis, you you know, you go to three in a row. I know he's not the same fighter he used to be, but that's another good name on your record there. I think that would make a lot of sense for Wonderboy, but however. Um, anyway, after that, you had uh, Pena Kinzad versus Sajara Eubanks, a fight which, you know, Eubanks won when it was on the ground and uh, Kinzad won when it was on the feet. I think nice jabs in the last two or three minutes to take the fight away from... Uh, from Eubanks, that was a good performance for her coming back, and a tough one from uh, Eubanks in a close enough fight. Um, we'll circle back to the next two fights in a second. Um, but uh, Gigos got a nice uh, unanimous decision win, uh, one of nine unanimous decision wins on this card. No split decisions, no majority draws, no nothing. All unanimous decisions. So fair play to the judges. A lot of you know the judges in in uh, Las Vegas have been criticised an awful lot recently, but nine unanimous decisions on one card is solid, solid judging. So a good win here for Jagos, and then uh, Jimmy Flick got a beautiful flying triangle in the first and round of his fight. Flying triangle, yeah, absolutely yeah, fucking didn't work, though. But I'm, te- <laughs> I'm telling you though, jujitsu because of the lower level of fighters and the okay, people give out to me lower level. Okay, the lower experience level of fighters in the UFC now, we're going to see a lot more jujitsu like this. You know, we're going to see a lot more fucking flying yeah, triangles. Less season, they're more yeah. green. You know, yeah, we used to go to the like you know the cage contenders, the man of wars, the battle zones here and you see like flying triangle attempts and flying flying triangle finishes mm-hmm. uh not regularly you know they, they weren't happening every fight but you know if you went to a few events you'd, you'd probably see a flying triangle at one stage yeah. uh, but you know if you're a top level guy you're, you're seasoned you're experienced you're not really going to get caught by a flying triangle yeah, that's it yeah so i think it's you know it's, it's not wrong with that um then uh tafwan in chukwi who uh your boy andy stevenson said would be a good fighter for that he looked good he reminds me of mark hunt the way he moves and i know he's middleweight he's fought up at uh, light heavyweight as well but he's just thick big yeah. legs in him and i lo- yeah, I like that like head kick kind of combo finish he has and mm. he, he he likes to throw a, that head kick uh, to kind of finish off his combos and in in, in the break as well like uh, obviously uh, they were talking in the commentary about him cutting a lot of weight and stuff but he seemed to be able to go you know three rounds handy enough you know obviously he'd never done it before he's only he's only had five fights in his career but I thought that, that that'll you know that'll serve him well those, those rounds and he didn't have it as all his own way but he was you know clearly winning all of the fight I thought um, and you know it, it, when, when these kind of knockout, knockout artist guys come in and they're they're, they're raw you kind of you want to see them put in this kind of uh, you know maybe not okay, 15 minutes is great but even like a couple of rounds you know mm. uh, just to see where they're at and he, he like obviously 5-0 and is, is he's a baby in the game but he showed a lot of potential and a lot of good things in that fight yeah. against and, an experienced guy and from like the 6th minute on the, the commentary were like, oh, he's tired, he's tired, he's gassing, he's gassing. He got hurt, he got hurt. There wasn't a yeah, sign of it. Yeah, wasn't true at all, yeah. Not a fucking sign of it. Yeah, I, I, I can't even remember all the commentary gaffes because there were so many of them. It was so bad. I have another couple for you. Um, <laughs> this Gillian Roberts, Tyler Santos fight. Uh, okay, Tyler Santos dominated most of the fight on top. But I thought Robertson did a great job in the first and third round from the bottom, especially the first round. Like, I tweeted after the first round, I thought Santos won it, but if a judge gave that twenty nine or uh, 10-9 to Robertson, I would have no issue with it at all. 
And lo and behold, one judge did give it 10-9 to Robertson. And what happened? Oh, I, I saw, I think it was Damon Martin, an inexplicable 29-28 card. Other people like, how can anyone get, these guys need to read the criteria. No, you fucking need to read the criteria. That was absolutely a close round. Just because one person was on top does not mean they're winning. I thought Santos won literally based on a few late shots. He landed in a couple of nice elbows. Other than that, I thought Robertson was just kind of doing better than than she was it was a, a very very fucking close round and that's really that's a great round to look at and look at the reaction afterwards and see people fucking telling on themselves by not having a clue what they're watching to be honest i know you know it's one of those rounds can go either way if you scored for santos absolutely but if you said no way can robertson win that round you haven't a fucking clue what you're talking about i actually think the two 30 26 cards were worse than the 29 28 i didn't see a 10 8 in there at all now you know <laughs> maybe watching the bag in the, the second round because it was uh, I was giving out about the first round <laughs> maybe a bit, little bit too much of people giving out but uh, no I, I, I thought uh, I didn't think there was anything wrong with that we need to get this fucking shit out of our head as well about the top fighter is always winning just because you spend five minutes on top does not mean you're winning at all like at all at all it, it, you know it was Jacare beating fucking Kevin Holland last week was he because he was on top of him no he wasn't because he got punched in the face and fucking knocked out you know that's what matters but uh, yeah I, again there was a bit of a reaction after from the commentary, but not so bad. But I thought the worst commentary of the whole fucking night was Duran Win versus Antonio Arroyo. And we've talked about, you know, DC before commentating on Win and being like overly, you know, critical of Win maybe because he's trying not to be his friend. But it wasn't the case here. The first round, Win got just destroyed by Arroyo, just beating him up really easily. And Win got like four takedowns and did not win him. And Daniel Carmier was like, oh, it was a close round. Those takedowns have to account for something. And I'm like, you know, I came out during the week that he'd been talking to Ben Cartledge and stuff. He needs to fucking talk to him again and talk to him every fucking day for a year to, to understand what he's talking about. Because this was atrocious shit. Like, it was, oh my god. He, like, Wynn took him down and did nothing. Didn't land a fucking single shot with any of those nearly. It was, Arroyo just won it so easily. Uh, even even in the old rules, even in the yeah. old rules, I think you know mm-hmm. <laughs> Cormier still would have been wrong. Yeah, a hundred percent. And the thing about this, this is a good example. So I believe leave that bluster aside for a minute. This is a a good example of um, you know, take down. We we sometimes I always say the phrase immediately impactful, right? And what what does that mean? It means you hit someone now, they get knocked down. That impacts them right now. Whether if you know if you hit someone to the body, it might hurt them now. It might hurt them after three punches. It might not after five punches. But then you get into the third round and then they're falling around the place because they're so tired and you take them now and you win a 10-8 that's when it impacts them and that's when you get the you know the pay for it i think this is what happened last night with win those four takedowns in the first round they didn't score for him because they didn't impact the fight immediately but they impacted the fight in the second and the third round because arroyo was tired and they were able to get you know win won the fight because arroyo was tired after that work he had done early so that's when you get the payback for those things you know people say oh you know it's going against wrestling and it's going against it it's not because the wrestling will win you the fights if it impacts the fight in such a way like that if it doesn't impact the fight it's fucking useless Anyway, what are you doing it for? So I thought, uh, you know, a boring fight, a bad fight, two, two, two average fighters that probably have no business in the UFC, to be honest. But, uh, you know, n- not a great fight. Anyway, um, yeah, that's it. Look, overall, it was nine decisions. I think a way better card on paper than it turned out to be. But 
I, you know, I'd love to see Wonderboy getting a great win like that. Love to see Aldo getting a great win like that. Pereira, a bit of a disappointing fight, but a good win. Fantastic win for Font. Great comeback for Tabora. Pettis looked good. Kinyad on the feet looked good. Um, you know, Tyler Santos is just a dominant fighter on top against a good pro like Gillian Robertson. And Chukwi looks like a good up-and-comer. You know, Flick with the, the good one, uh, good win there as well. And Gigas as well uh, in that fight. So, all in all, Graham, not a... Not a bad night at all. Not a bad night of all, all fights at all. Um, yeah, I enjoyed the card. I always enjoy a Wonder Boy fight. Like even the the widely panned uh, Woodley first fight, mm-hmm. especially it was like when it's on a knife edge like that. Like I don't know. I just I just really like uh, Wonder Boy style, and mm-hmm. um, I I didn't really like. I went to, to sleep straight after the, the fight. I didn't look at the reaction on Twitter. Uh, sometimes you think, God, oh, that was a great. I think that was a great fight, and I see people, you know not happy with it with it on social media and stuff like that but uh you know for wonder boy as you mentioned kind of you know barred a headbutt and you know the leg injury he basically the leg injury was kind of i don't know what happened there but um maybe it was caused in the fight but it seemed like it was more of an unfortunate thing besides besides those kind of two unfortunate incidents he basically was like you know 25 minute masterclass of, of, of you know his hands are always down and he's always got great head movement but i think you know, there was a few questions around him being being of an age that maybe he'll start slowing down, but he didn't show any of that. He he, he was one of the best performances I think we've seen in a while from from Wonderboy. Yeah, he looked really good, and yeah, he, he was one of those. Let's let's take one or two questions here. The first one actually goes to that, uh, and it's from Severe Junkie. He, I think it was. Yeah, he goes. Um, do you think Wonderboy was playing it safe as usual? Maybe not a fan of Wonderboy here, but. I don't think he was playing it safe at all. How can you be playing it safe when you have your fucking hands down, running around the cage, throwing big shots? <laughs> like Throwing loads of kicks. Like, you know, a, a kickboxer usually goes in and doesn't throw, you know, as many kicks, trying to not get, get taken down and stuff like that. So uh, he, uh, you could understand if Wonderboy threw less kicks, I think it would be more understandable. I think he throws loads of kicks. He throws... Uh, more he threw more combinations than he usually does as well with his hands. His hands have improved throughout his throughout his uh, UFC career mm-hmm. uh, a lot. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Some people, uh, I don't know. They just I, I love Wonderboy style, but some people just seem to find it very boring. I, I, I don't understand it. Yeah, I I think it makes like little sense. It's exciting. It hit not get hit like the. I think the problem against Wonderboy is people fight him in such a different way because he is so good that they just like go pure defensive against him and there's nothing you can do I don't think it's Wonderboy I think it's the people he's fighting against you remember the Rory McDonald fight Rory McDonald's been in there with a lot of guys a lot of top guys and yeah. he just looked bewildered and didn't know what to do and just Destroyed just him. just yeah. absolutely annihilated him <laughs> yeah. annihilated you Johnny know, Hendricks uh, you know in his yeah, it wasn't the same Johnny Hendricks but we, we, we'd seen Rory McDonald we'd never seen Rory McDonald look so bad and so so out of his depth and outclassed that, that he did against Wonderboy, but some people weren't happy with that fight either, if I remember right. So uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just a preference thing, I suppose, on styles of fighting. Yeah, Mr. Podge, friend of the podcast, a legend, because between Aldo and Pettis, who's more likely to get another title shot? Aldo. Yeah, I'd say Aldo as well. Yeah, yeah. Pettis is said he's going to move down to lightweight, so it's kind of you know it's kind of tough for him to get a, a title shot there. Yeah, it's I, although I a title shot in Bellator, if he goes there, could be could be right around the corner. Yeah, yeah, in, indeed. Um, yeah, and like Aldo as well. You know, even at one thirty-five, he isn't that far away from getting. Like, say if Yan lost to, to Sterling, if Aldo gets one big win against, I don't know who who's up there. You know, whoever my TJ Dillashaw come. I saw a few people, and we have another bit of a podcast coming out about TJ Dillashaw during the week, so we won't talk too much about him, but. I saw a few people suggesting Aldo versus Dillashaw, and that would be a fun fight. And if he got that win, maybe um, maybe he could. So there you go. Um, 
one or two here from uh, Patreon as well, and I'll answer the rest over on Patreon this uh, this Tuesday on the Q and A. So Patreon.com forward slash Severe Man Podcast. Happy Christmas, to you all. It's Severe from Return of the Mac. Thank you very much. Happy Christmas, to you too. I only became Patreon um, this year. The best money I've ever spent. All oh, fair play to you. Um, and he said, could the UFC have made a better card for McGregor versus Poirier? Hold on, let me just pull it up here. I haven't, to be honest, I haven't even looked at this card totally. Okay, so the next card coming up is in uh, January 16. And we'll tell you in a second what we have uh, how, what we have planned between now and then. But that's Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater. Tom Breeze or Mary Ekmadov is on that card as well. Um, did I just see Landa Venatas there as well or not? No, maybe maybe not. Uh, Tim Elliott, Jordan Espinosa, a few fights in that. Then the one after that, UFC Fight Night 185. It doesn't really say who's on that Tyson Nam match nail, and then uh, UFC two five seven Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier the twenty third of January. Uh, so Jessica I, Joanne Calderwood, Khalil Roundtree Jr., Marcin Pracino, Marina Rodriguez, Amanda Hebas, Brad Tavares, Antonio Carlos Jr., Matt Provola, Carlos Ottoman, Shane Burgos, Hakim Daudu, Andrew Sanchez. Uh, Andre Muniz, and then underneath they have Nazrat Hakparast, Arman Taryukin, Umar Nurmagomedov versus Sergey Mozogov, and then two other lads as well. Not the not the best card in the world, yeah. They're probably uh, they're probably good yeah, have made a, a, a boxing style card that Dana what used to love to to criticize. Yeah, <laughs> with the the kind of the one main fight, but mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's just a changing MMA world, I suppose. Uh, before like we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago on the podcast before if if your main event fell apart he'd be like ah it's all right we have the co-main and yeah. a couple of fights in the pay-per-view that could serve as the main event now that's just not the case at all like, the, like if Poirier or McGregor were to pull out the whole card it probably end up being cancelled yeah yeah indeed indeed um so yeah that's it uh, from us thank you very much for listening as i said i'll answer all the rest of the questions on patreon this week patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast so uh the podcast, okay, there's three weeks off of him, but we will have still have a podcast every Sunday, as usual. Next week will be the 20 ball predictions for the year. So we actually record, we record that. We record yesterday, Friday. Um, so that'll be up. I have made my 20 ball predictions for the year, and we reviewed my 20 ball predictions for last year as well. So that will be out next Sunday. And then the Sunday after, which will be, I think, the first of the year, if I'm not mistaken, um, will be the awards show. So we have the the Irish Fighter of the Year, the Irish Amateur Fighter of the Year, the Worldwide uh, Fighter of the Year. I think it's the, the third, yes, yeah, the third of, of January. So that will be out then. Uh, all of them will be out early access on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Severe Podcast. We will have loads of stuff on there as well. Episode of Rio Watch. I think myself and Ian are doing a podcast. Uh, we will have a um, State of the UFC address as well. So lots of stuff. Uh, with lots of pre-recorded stuff. So it's standing out of day. Because we're taking like a week off here over Christmas. But there's no week off on Patreon. There will be podcasts up uh, every day or two. And there will be podcasts up as normal every week here on uh, on your feed for Severe Mess. So if you're just listening to this and you haven't subscribed on, uh, on SoundCloud or iTunes or wherever for free hit the subscribe button hit the like button hit the share button um and uh tell a friend about it as well if they enjoy it and if you're if you're feeling froggy yeah. hit over to, to patreon as well so graham and anything to get yeah, and if you want to buy somebody uh, a good present for christmas uh, an mma fan you could you could buy them a subscription to uh, patreon or you could hop on to manscape.com and support us by uh, getting your 
getting your balls cleaned up. Indeed. <laughs> okay, indeed. promo code. Indeed. They will, they will. Um, yeah, so Merry Christmas to everyone. We really appreciate the support all year. We probably had more support this year than we've ever had before with Patreon and listening to the podcast and everything. So we really appreciate you and all the lads and, and ladies uh, over on uh, over on Twitter, the Severe Junkie and Harry Kearns and Sean Dinney and all the lads over there. You all know who you are anyway. We really appreciate uh, all of it uh, throughout the year. And uh, sure, we'll probably be back for a chat some stage, Graham, over the next while. And uh, if any, hey, if you've more questions coming in, send them to at Severe Maypod, and I'll probably do another Q and A in the middle of Christmas at some time as well. So um, that'll be all good. Hope you have a great week. Enjoy the turkey. Enjoy the ham. Send us pictures of the of the stuff over on Twitter, and uh, we'll all have a, a good look at it. Be careful. Don't be fucking infecting people. Don't be drinking too much. Well, do drink too much, but um, yeah, stay safe anyway. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas to one and all. We'll see you next time. Good luck.